drive time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning to you. We have a great show lined up for you today. Here's the question. Are the vaccines the new form of segregation within the church? There's been some incidents that we're starting to see in relation to this topic around the country. One such came up yesterday at a parish in New Jersey where their initial response was to only provide the sacrament of reconciliation confession to only those parishioners who were vaccinated. The actual website said for a time that only vaccinated parishioners could come to the, to the confession. Um, but by, by the grace of God, I think probably because there was a lot of backlash to that, the Diocese of Trenton did contact the pastor and the policy was changed. Now, unvaccinated parishioners can go to confession, only they have to go face to face. So to conversate about this, is this uh, does canon law permit this type of behavior within the church? There was other reported incidents around the country of various parishes leveraging the power of vaccines to say who and where people could go and not go, do and what they could not do within the church. To answer these questions from a canon law perspective, Father Gerald Murray is going to be our guest in our What's Concerning Us segment. And then in our guest segment, we're going to have Dr. Mark Kubala on. He wrote a book on the execution of Jesus the Christ, the medical cause of our Lord's death during his illegal crucifixion. And I think that's going to be a fascinating conversation, especially as we prepare ourselves for uh, Good Friday and uh, and Easter Sunday, so be be prepared for our great conversation later in the program today in the first hour. Of course, in the second hour, if you're all able to join us, we would love to have you. We will have our Fear and Trembling game show. The prizes are back this week. We're so excited about that. And then, of course, our after show in the second half of the next hour. You can find links to our social streams and all of that if you need to join us that way on our website at grnonline.com. Praise be to God. Good morning to you, Emily Alcarez. Good morning, Joe. I'm really excited for the show today. I mean, we've got some great guests lined up. I love Father Gerald Murray, so I'm really excited to hear what he has to say about this. Yeah, amen. Praise be to God. It's going to be jam-packed. Speaking of which, uh, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. I'm, I'm excited for the show today. I love uh, Father Murray. I just heard about him whenever last time we had him as a guest. And yeah. He was awesome. And then uh, the guests were having uh, Dr. I, Kabara. I, I don't know how to say his name. Kubala. Kubala. He, uh, I've been reading his book. Excellent book. So I'm very excited for this as well. Yeah, going to be a great program today. Hopefully you'll be able to join us, dear listener, for all or part of it. If you're hanging out with us on the Station of the Cross, good morning to you. It's always good to have you on our program. Of course, the Guadalupe Radio Network, uh, good morning to you as well. And if you're on one of our social streams, do us a favor, like and share. It really helps us out. And then comment. Tell us where you're from. We love to see you there. All right, so let's jump into our program. It's going to be a really incredible uh, show today. Let's pray for your intentions, whatever is on your heart, whatever's challenging you today. Certainly, we have our own intentions here at the show, our radio apostolates at the Station of the Cross and the Guadalupe Radio Network, and as well as something for my own family. So let's ask the Queen of Heaven and Earth to intercede for all of us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. 
Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz. A parish in the Diocese of Trenton will no longer restrict the sacrament of confession to those who have received a COVID vaccine after a clarification from the diocese. On Sunday, the Church of the Precious Blood in Monmouth, New Monmouth Beach, New Jersey, had posted on its website that confessions would once again be available, but only for those who had already received the coronavirus vaccination. Then on Monday afternoon, the Trenton Diocese clarified that the parish would allow people not yet vaccinated to receive confession. Canon 843 of the Code of Canon Law states that the sacred ministers cannot refuse the sacraments to those who ask for them at appropriate times, are properly disposed, and are not prohibited by law from receiving them. By Monday afternoon, the parish website had been updated to state that confessions are now available for all, but still separated those penitents who have been vaccinated from those who have not been vaccinated. Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson signed into law on Friday legislation allowing doctors to decline to perform non-emergency medical procedures that violate their moral or religious beliefs. The law will take effect by August of 2021. Last week, Governor Hutchinson also signed a law that will prohibit biological men from playing female sports. Early this week, Arkansas lawmakers passed a measure that would forbid healthcare professionals from from providing puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, or gender-affirming surgery to minors and would open them up to lawsuits from patients who later regret their procedures. If Hutchinson signs this last bill into law, Arkansas would become the first state to enact one of its kind. And 16 other states are considering similar bills as well. Cardinal Joseph Zen on Tuesday expressed his pain and indignation at restrictions on private masses in St. Peter's Basilica. The former bishop of Hong Kong said on March 30th that if he could, he would fly to Rome and kneel outside the Pope's residence until the decree was withdrawn. Zen made his remarks on his website in an open letter to Cardinal Robert Seurat after the former prefect of the Vatican's Congregation for Divine Worship asked Pope Francis on Monday to reinstate the celebration of private masses at the side altars in St. Peter's Basilica. Zen is now the fifth cardinal to voice opposition to this change, which went into effect on March 22nd, after Seurat, Raymond Burke, Gerhard Mueller, and Walter Brandmuller. The 89-year-old Cardinal Zen, an outspoken defender of persecuted Chinese Catholics, said that he used to pray with tears for the church in China at the masses in St. Peter's. He was frequently criticized. He has frequently c- criticized the Vatican Secretary of State's role in securing a provisional agreement between the Holy See and China over the appointment of bishops. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Tuesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Real quick, let me just say happy birthday to Eliza Angelo. Your your husband is so good that he would like to uh, just uh, send you a little love via Catholic Drive Time this morning. We're very grateful for both of you being a part of our Catholic Drive Time family. St. Joseph Cheng Chui, uh, pray for us. He was born in 1803 in South Korea, born to a very wealthy family. 
and uh, he had a history of working as a diplomat. He was married, of course, and an adult convert to Christianity, was baptized at the age of 26 along with his entire family. He served as a catechist, conducting classes first in his home and then in a small building that he purchased and maintained just for that purpose. On four occasions, Joseph hid in the mountains to avoid government persecution of Christians. He and his family uh, finally moved to the Jeshon area to escape them in 1845. When St. Simeon Francois Bernot built a seminary in that area, he offered his house for its use. He worked in its administration, and he and his wife farmed to help feed the seminarians. He and his wife were arrested in March of 1866. A local official arranged for their release, but five days later, Joseph was arrested again. This time, he admitted in court to being a Christian, to teaching Christianity, to helping missionaries, and to owning the building where the catechists had worked for many years. He was imprisoned, tortured, and eventually he was executed for his faith and his work, beheaded on the 30th of March, 1866, in South Korea. He would be canonized on the 6th of May, 1984, by Pope St. John Paul II. St. Joseph Chang Shui, pray for us. The Gospel today comes to us from John chapter 13, verses 21 through 33 and 36 through 38. Reclining at table with his disciples, Jesus was deeply troubled and testified, Amen, amen, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another at a loss as to whom he meant. One of his disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, was reclining at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter nodded to him to find out whom he meant. He leaned back against Jesus' chest and said to him, Master, who is it? Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I hand the morsel after I have dipped it. So he dipped the morsel and took it and handed it to Judas, son of Simon the Iscariot. After Judas took the morsel, Satan entered him. So Jesus said to him, What you are going to do, do quickly. Now none of those reclining at table realized why he said this to him. Some thought that since Judas kept the money bag, Jesus had told him, Buy what you need for the feast, or to give something to the poor. So Judas took the morsel and left at once, and it was night. When he had left, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and he will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little while longer. You will look for me, and as I told the Jews, where I go, you cannot come. So now I say it to you. Simon Peter said to him, Master, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, though you will follow me later. Peter said to him, Master, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Amen, amen, I say to you, the cock will not crow before you deny me three times. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
uh, another passage of contrast in many ways. You have Judas and you have the beloved disciple contrasted against each other. You have the disciples on the whole, the disciples who that would receive the very first uh, communion ever in the history of the, of the earth to receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity in the blessed sacrament. The disciples will feed on Jesus himself in the upper room. But what is Judas feeding on? He is feeding upon the lies of the devil. And in fact, it is the devil that enters him and he goes out into the, into the night. And so there's a contrast here, again, of night versus daylight, darkness and the light of Christ. And I like this image of uh, John, the beloved disciple, um, reclining at the breast of Jesus. Now, that's because they weren't sitting in chairs, right? I mean, these, these feasts, they were reclining down on pillows. And so John's head just happened to be closest to the breast of, of Jesus, And I just love this little detail that John throws in there. And again, I said this yesterday about the details of John's gospel are fantastic. He always throws these really incredible details, which is part of the reason why we know that this is a uh, someone who had intimate knowledge of Jesus, the disciples, their journeys, and the city of Jerusalem and beyond and beyond because of all these little details. And I like how there's this exchange between Peter and John. Like you can just see it in your mind of Peter saying to John, 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 ask him. No, no, ask him. Go ahead. <laughs> and John is like, all right, Lord, who, who is the one you're talking about? I just love that image. It's so incredible that that's been included there. And Peter himself, right? Peter himself is, is so uh, uh, overly confident here, you could say. Uh, but if you could fault Peter all you wish for denying you know, Christ three times. But it was Peter who steps out of the boat. It was, it was Peter who wanted to set up the tabernacles uh, in, the, in the mountain of transfiguration, right? When Jesus transfigured on the mountain. It is Peter who wants to say, no, you can't die. No, I won't let you. No, I will go with you. It is his zeal and his, his desire to follow Christ that I, uh, that I applaud, that I, I really love. Of course, he's overconfident, and in fact, he does deny Christ three times. But by the grace of God, he does not despair to the point of hanging himself like Judas does. So there's a contrast here, even between Peter and Judas. Powerful passage today. Lots to chew on. But don't go anywhere. We're going to go to break. We're going to come back. Father Gerald Murray will be our guest. Are vaccines being used to segregate Catholics within the church? We're seeing some examples Hopefully it's nothing. Father Gerald Murray will give us the the law perspective, the canon law perspective, right after this very short break. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time is coming right back. Can we be happy without God? Atheists say yes. We Christians say yes, but only to a certain extent. What's our reason? There are some natural human desires that can be satisfied without living for God. The desire for sensory pleasure, success, and loving relationships. There are certain desires, however, that can't be satisfied without God. For example, we don't just desire some love, we desire infinite love, love without limit. This is manifest when we get frustrated with imperfect manifestations of it. The same is true for knowledge, justice, and beauty. Since God alone is infinite in these perfections, only He can satisfy our desires for them. 
Therefore, to borrow from St. Augustine, without God, our hearts would be forever restless. And my friends, a restless heart is an unhappy heart. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time, heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Coming up in, I don't know, 18 minutes or so from now, Dr. Mark Kubala is going to be our guest. He wrote a book on the execution of Jesus the Christ, the medical cause of our Lord's death during his illegal crucifixion. Dr. Kubala is, a, uh, an, I think, a neurosurgeon, uh, so he is going to be on to talk about the cause of death from a medical perspective. Should be fascinating conversation. Hopefully you'll join us for that. But uh, joining us right now is Father Gerald Murray. He is a canon lawyer, priest in the Archdiocese of New York, and a member of uh, Raymond Dororio's Papal Posse. Good morning to you, Father Murray. Good morning, Joe. How are you? Praise be to God, I am alive. How are you? Amen. Amen. All right. Let me set this up real quick. Uh, so that yesterday, there was a parish in Trenton, in the Diocese of Trenton in New Jersey, Church of the Precious Blood, and they posted on their website, I have a copy of the, I have a picture of what their website looked like yesterday, uh, early afternoon, and it said, confessions are now available but only for the vaccinated. Only vaccinated parishioners were allowed to come to the Sacrament of Reconciliation. And there was, uh, you know, obviously it was a dust-up on the, on the Internet, and people were like, well, this seems like segregation. I thought the sacraments were for all Catholics who are pre- uh, disposed to, uh, to receive them. Uh, the good news is the Diocese of Trenton contacted the parish, spoke to the pastor, and the policy has been changed. It now states that confessions are available for those that who have not been vaccinated. I'm reading directly from the site here. It says, for those who have not been vaccinated, they can go face-to-face in the church. That's the only option, apparently. And for those who have been vaccinated, they can go into the confessional. So we've invited Father Murray to be on as a canon lawyer to conversate about is it possible for parishes to use vaccines to segregate Catholics? Father Murray, what say you? I say that the pastor made a mistake and uh, the diocese obviously recognized it because they changed the policy. Originally, they, as you said, they could not uh, receive the sacrament of penance unless they've been vaccinated. And that is an illegitimate and uncanonical restriction. Uh, there is a right in canon law for people to receive the sacraments uh, in a timely manner uh, if they're properly disposed. Uh, and, of course, being vaccinated cannot be uh, a, a, an impediment or a prohibition about uh, receiving the sacrament because uh, that's an unjust restriction. So now they've changed it, which is good, uh, and people can go face-to-face in the sanctuary well, I mean, I, I would wonder about that. Couldn't there be a, a private place uh, that were, couldn't be seen, you know, so people could have a modicum of anonymity, uh, perhaps in the sacristy or in the side room uh, off the church? 
Uh, and then the confessional can be used by those who have been vaccinated. Uh, okay, that's good. Um, the, the good thing here is that the priest and the diocese made a decision to change what had was an obvious uh, mistake because uh, it's it would be wrong to say people who aren't vaccinated you can't receive the sacrament of penance because the vast majority of people in the united states haven't been vaccinated and certainly most people under age 50 uh aren't even offered the opportunity to be vaccinated so we can't keep them away from the sacraments uh father I was wondering, in regard to the anonymity of the confession, uh, do Catholics have a right to an anonymous confession? Uh, can we be coerced into having a confession face to face? No, uh, that's something that you know Catholic uh, tradition and canon law has always protected, uh, and it is um, you know there's no absolute right. For instance, if you're online waiting to go to confession, uh, that's generally going to be seen by other people. So, uh, you know, you can't say, well, I don't want anybody to know I'm going to confession. But certainly not to have the priest know who you are is a right. Uh, and uh, that's why the church has, you know, screens uh, in confession boxes. And it makes sense spiritually that the church would do everything possible to eliminate you know, obstacles that people might feel to go to confession. I don't want the priest to know me in case he sees me later on. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, the option to have face-to-face -face confession uh, was a more recent innovation, uh, in, at least uh, in the English-speaking world. There were different customs regarding confessions of men in uh, Mediterranean countries where they would actually see the priest when they were going to confession and women only used the screen. But Certainly America, everybody went to confession behind the screen. Now, if you'd like to, you can go face to face. Um, but, the, you know, the priest also has a right not to be forced to hear confessions uh, face to face. It's it's a delicate question, but it needs uh, it needs common sense. Father Gerald Murray is our guest. He's a canon lawyer, priest in the Archdiocese of New York. And we're talking about uh, this case in particular in New Jersey, but in general, because uh, there's been some other anecdotal uh, type of evidence to suggest that other parishes, and, and one in Florida in particular, was using vac vaccines to segregate its parishioners in the pews. But let's go back to the case of confession again. Um, you said you you uh, said something a minute ago, uh, Father Murray, that seemed to suggest that if America, for instance, was at the point where the vast majority of its citizens were vaccinated. Could, at that point, they use the vaccine to uh, prevent someone from receiving the sacrament? Well, no. Again, you, you, there, the goal here is to prevent the transmission of disease, and that can be achieved in a number of ways. Uh, so if someone is vaccinated, you know, we're told they have a very high percentage of uh, being you know, unable to contract the disease or transmit it. But you can also prevent the contraction or the transmission of disease through what we're doing currently now, social distancing, mask wearing, uh, you know, frequent uh, sterilization or uh, frequent uh, using of sanitizers and the like. So it would be wrong to say to, uh, you know, to say anybody, unless you produce a vaccine card, you can't go to confession. No, that would not be right. And here in Canon, um, I think it's 843, I, I pulled it up. It says that the sacred mm -hmm. ministers cannot refuse the sacraments to those who ask for them unless 
they are prohibited by law from receiving them. So say if there was a law that said you cannot now go to church, this is theoretical, devil's advocate here. If there was a law mm. theoretically that said you can't go to church unless you have a vaccine passport, could the priest then, because canon law says if it's prohibited by law, could the priest then deny the sacrament? Well, that would be an unjust law. And a law here would mean like a diocesan law or universal law. Okay. And I, I'm sure no bishop would issue such a law. And if it were issued, you immediately would uh, appeal to the, to, the, to the bishop to withdraw it. And if you wouldn't, then you bring it to the attention of the, of the pope because it would be absolutely wrong to do that. Father Gerald Murray is our guest, and we're talking about uh, the use of vaccines, or vaccinations in particular, to segregate Catholics uh, along the lines of of the of the sacraments. Now, I, I'm we're coming up on the one year anniversary of our lock, the great lockdown across America, uh, when it comes to the Catholic churches. And I remember Father Murray being frustrated, especially at Easter Sunday morning, that uh, the church was locked and we couldn't go to Mass, and that was just a terrible experience for many Catholics. And I served in the Marine Corps, Father, and in the Marine Corps, you know, it's pounded into you where there's a will, there's a way, and you aren't to give up until you have overcome your circumstance. And I've always, that stuck with me. Sit-ups, push-ups, no, okay? I don't run anymore, but where there's a will, there's a way is stuck with me. And I've always found it very frustrating that in many circles or segments of our church, um, it seems like there there was never a driving willpower to find a way to continue to provide the sacraments in these difficult circumstances. As a priest, as a canon lawyer, how do you see that perspective? Well, I'm happy to talk to a Marine. I was a Navy Reserve chaplain for 11 years and uh, always admired the Marine spirit, innovate, adapt, overcome. I think that's what we have to do. But I would say that the diocese did that, in fact, because they uh, were, as soon as they were able to, because, again, we're subject to civil law in, in New York, for instance, where I am, uh, the government said you, the churches cannot uh, hold mass because they can't, people cannot congregate. A year ago, we didn't know as much as we know now, and there was a lot of unanswered questions, but, you know, the church was able to uh, reopen once the statistics for infection went down, and that's when we started the processes that we have now, uh, mask wearing, social distancing, uh, the priest using sanitizer, uh, communion distributed very carefully, either in the hand or on the tongue, um, it's, these are, you know, when we're facing a medical reality, and I, what I told people was it's sort of like when there's a war and the enemy invades and shuts down all your churches. You know, that's a circumstance beyond control. In this case, it wasn't the enemy that shut down the churches. It was the government because they were responding to, you know, this difficult to understand uh, pandemic happening, uh, you know, if, particularly where I am in New York back in March. So I, I would say it was a very... Uh, unfortunate uh, and, and horrible time, but we got through it because people did cooperate with the medical provisions. And now with these, you know, the blessing of the vaccines, we, we have to thank God that our scientists were able to develop these vaccines, uh, even though we have reservations about what the way they did it, but they are blessings to our country. I wonder what role supernatural faith plays in all of this, Father. Um, you know, it's looking at this particular case in New Jersey. I don't know the circumstances of what's in the heart or the mind of the pastor, and I'm not 
going to be his judge today. But at the same time, I wonder about how supernatural faith plays a role here. If is it a circumstance? Could, I mean, is there something I'm missing here? Is it could be that his congregation could be mostly mostly elderly, which is in the highest risk category, and he's trying to protect them? I don't know, but again, I go back to adapt, overcome, improvise. Where there's a will, there's a way, and it, it, we could from from according to the Catholic News Agency article that came out last night uh, that reported on this, he's only just now opening up confessions again, just now. Just now. I mean, he had no confession since last March. According to the Catholic News Agency article I read that came out yesterday, uh, I read it this morning, according to their screenshot from a February 7th uh, version of his website, he is only now opening confessions. Now, maybe he was offering them and just didn't update the website. I grant that. But again, the, the thought of supernatural faith comes to mind. What say you, Father Murray? You got about a minute. Yeah, well, I know, Joe, this is a, uh, you know, we, the bishop and the diocese has a responsibility to provide the sacraments. And uh, I I would, I would be hard to believe that the priest would be having public mass, but not finding a way for confessions. You know, in my parish, we offered them outdoors in our church garden uh, during the beginning of the crisis. So, no, the, the overcome and adapt has to apply to getting people the means of salvation and mass sacraments and anointing of the sick. Uh, we've even had weddings and baptisms. Ways to do these things can be found. Uh, so I'm not sure what his practice was. Some people, uh, out of a legitimate concern for not spreading disease, I think exaggerated their reactions. Um, and that's understandable, but it needs to be overcome with thinking and reasoning. And I think most dioceses have done that. They've found ways for parishes to be able to function. All right. Father Gerald Murray, canon lawyer, priest in the Archdiocese of New York. God love you and God bless you. Thank you for your time today. We're very grateful to you. Thank you, Joe. Have a great day. All right. That is going to do it for the What's Concerning Us segment. After this very short break, breaking news and stories, plus our guests on the execution of Jesus Christ, all still to come. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic Church would be okay if it weren't for all the rituals? Why do people complain about rituals in the church? They don't complain about the rituals that fill the rest of their daily lives. They shake hands, they sign their names, they put candles on birthday cakes, they give each other flowers, they put on fancy weddings and somber funerals. Those are all rituals. They are symbols. They are simple ways of representing complex ideas. G.K. Chesterton says, Ritual is a need of the human soul. In fact, it's a need of the human body, like exercise. Destroy your impressive ceremony, and all you get in return is unimpressive ceremony. Want more than a minute? Visit our website at chesterton.org. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you.
Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Tuesday, March 30th, and these are your headlines for today. According to a new report, the percentage of Catholics who say they are a member of a church has dropped by nearly 20 points since the year 2000. Among respondents who said they were Catholic, only 58% actually said they were a member of a church. This figure is down 18 points from the 76% of Catholics who said they were a member of the church in a previous survey from 1998 to 2000. In the past decade, Catholics saw a twice as steep decline in members than did Protestants, which saw a 9% decline in professed members of churches, from 73% to 64%. This decline in membership was even more pronounced among Hispanic Americans, among whom only 37% say they're a member of a church. Church membership also declined more steeply among Democrats and residents of the eastern U.S. than among political Republicans and independents, and residents of other U.S. regions. The state of New York has launched a vaccine passport program allowing businesses and public entities to potentially deny residents service on the basis of whether or not they have received a COVID vaccine. The Excelsior Pass program bills itself as a free, fast, and secure way to present digital proof of COVID-19 vaccination or negative test results with either a smartphone app that displays a scannable QR code or a code printed on a sheet of paper. While New Yorkers are not yet legally required to participate, business owners and venue operators have the option of denying entry to people without one. The website also mentions that once you and your party enter an establishment, you will still be asked to follow state and CDC guidance regarding social distancing, face coverings, and hand hygiene, despite verifying one's immunity or negative coronavirus status. Meanwhile, Republican Governor Ron DeSantis announced on Monday that he will be taking executive action to ban the use of vaccine passports in Florida. The Apostolic Nunciature in Poland announced on Monday that the Vatican has sanctioned two Polish bishops at the conclusion of canonical inquiries into accusations they were negligent in their handling of sexual abuse of minors by clergy. According to March 29th statements on the website of the Polish Catholic Bishops' Conference, Archbishops Slavoj Leszek Glotz and Bishop Edward Janiak have been ordered by the Holy See to live outside their former dioceses and told they cannot participate in public liturgies or non-religious gatherings within the territory of the dioceses. Glods and Janyak have also each been ordered to give an appropriate sum from their personal funds to the St. Joseph Foundation, which works to prevent abuse and assists victims of abuse. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Tuesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you very much, Emily, for keeping us up to date. I want to mention just a thank you to realestateforlife.org for generously underwriting a portion of the Catholic Drive Time show. Realestateforlife.org uh, connects people who are trying to buy or sell houses. Uh, they provide a faith-based experience and support of pro-life organizations. Their website is realestateforlife.org. You can find them linked up on our website along with our podcast and videos and everything else. Uh, again, thank you, realestateforlife.org. Joining us right now via Zoom chat is Dr. Mark Kubala. He is a neurosurgeon and uh, and a Catholic, and he wrote a book called The Execution of Jesus the Christ, The Medical Cause of Our Lord's Death During His Illegal Crucifixion. Fascinating conversation, especially in the week of weeks, the holiest week, uh, in pre preparation for the passion, death, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Good morning to you, Dr. Kubala. Good morning. Did I say your name correctly, by the way? 
Kubala. Kubala. I was close. I was very close. Well, oh, sure. yeah. it, it is good to have you on the team today. Uh, let's talk about this book. Uh, tell us really quick, give us the synopsis of the book and uh, why you felt the need to write this. Well, I felt the need to write this book because I became interested in the crucifixion in 1986 when there was an article in the Journal of the American Medical Association about crucifixion. It created quite a stir because it was felt not to be appropriate to have a religious article in the medical journal. So I started reading about it, and we've been taught for 70 years that Jesus died from asphyxiation. This is based on a book by Dr. Barbet, a Parisian surgeon who wrote the book uh, that a doctor at Calvary after World War II ended. And he based his theory that Jesus died from asphyxiation because he had seen a prisoner uh, executed by hanging with his hands way over his head and his feet unsupported, and he couldn't exhale. So he assumed that when Jesus was nailed to the cross and lifted on top of the stipes, that Jesus could breathe in, but he couldn't breathe out and, and died from asphyxiation. In 2005, Dr. Frederick Zugibi, a cardiac pathologist, did experiments with human volunteers and showed that the human young were young men who were attached to a cross with leather straps, and he could measure their breathing and their heart action and showed that if your feet are stabilized, there's absolutely no trouble breathing. Uh, and this completely dis showed that the theory of asphyxiation is not based on science. But Dr. Zugibi did not go into why Jesus died. So I said, well, why don't we study it like a medical deduction? Here we have a 33-year-old healthy male who's obviously had no heart disease, was able to walk from Galilee to Jerusalem eight, seven times, and he had a supper with his followers on a Thursday evening, and uh, and the greatest meal of all time, because this is where the blessed sacrament of the Eucharist was instituted. So this was 18 hours before that. So after the meal, Jesus and his followers went to the Garden of Gethsemane, so this would now be about 16 hours before death. So what could kill a young, healthy male in this short period of time? And if he's, and studying it, it was just amazing that the, sex, the sorrowful mysteries of, of the rosary detailed the five important steps that led to the death of Jesus. Uh, the first step, as everybody knows, is the agony in the garden. And Luke tells us that Jesus prayed for an hour three times. My chapter on this describes what the mental stress that Jesus experienced can do to the body. And he's, he was in such stress that he had bloody sweat, and I explained that. And remember... This was in April, and it was cool, and it was not hot, and yet Jesus sweat, sweat blood. So after the three hours of intense prayer and sweating, 
Jesus is arrested, taken to Annasus, where he's questioned by the former high priest, and then he's taken to Caiaphas's uh, house, who is the current high priest. He's found guilty of blasphemy, and after this, the the Sanhedrin who were there, the, the gospel says that they spit on Jesus and the guards gave blows to Jesus. So the first trauma was when the guards were hitting Jesus. Now, this was probably about three in the morning, and the guards were probably unhappy because they were ready to be asleep and not guarding this insurrectionist. So he, we don't know what happened from three to six, but when the sun rose, he, Jesus was taken to Pilate. The Jewish people could not execute, uh, they couldn't crucify by law. So they had to get the Roman soldiers to crucify Jesus. So Pilate seizes Jesus. He thinks he's innocent. He sends him to Herod. Herod doesn't find anything wrong with him, sends him back to Pilate. Pilate releases Bar Barabbas, and yet the crowd wants to wants Jesus to be crucified. So Pilate decides to scourge Jesus. So this is the second sorrowful mystery. Now, the scourging was not done the way the Jewish people. In the Jewish tradition, you were whipped with a reed and uh, th th no more than 39, but the Romans didn't abide by that. They used what's called a flagrum, a whip that had sharp objects such as rocks. And the scourging was done by tying the, the victim to a pillar and then they were beat. There were two lectors or scourgers that would whip the sharp objects into the center of the back and then rip the skin off. And this caused damage to the muscles and to the ribs and to the blood vessels, which caused bleeding. And this is the first important point. My theory is that Jesus died from the loss of his blood. So we know that uh, the, the scourging produced bleeding. Uh, the scourging was done on the back and on the arms, not on the front. Because Dr. Kubala, I'm going to have to cut you off. I apologize, but hold that thought. We're going to go to this very short break. We'll come back on the other side of this break. Uh, Dr. Kubala is going to continue his uh, sharing with us the thesis of his book, The Execution of Jesus the Christ, The Medical Cause of Our Lord's Death, during his illegal crucifixion. It's it's over at the execution of Jesusthechrist.com. We'll link to it, but we'll be right back with more just after this short break. In chapter four of his rule, St. Benedict reminds us never despair of God's mercy. One minute monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey. This important phrase catches us by surprise because he slips it in at the end of a long list of good works we should practice. St. Benedict is reminding us that when we have done all we are supposed to, we must finally entrust everything to God's mercy. 
We believe that God is so merciful that He sent His Son to suffer and die in order to restore the beautiful creation we had disfigured by our sin. Only God's mercy can, in the end, repair all the evil and hurts that we inflict on one another. For your free copy of the Rule of Saint Benedict, visit oneminutemonk.com. O n e minutemonk.com. If we can just remember God's mercy in times of trouble. We can bear these difficulties and look forward to that day when all will be healed. Hi, I'm Emily Alcaraz, and I'm the co-host of the Catholic Drive Time Show, which airs from Monday to Friday at 6 a.m. Central Time. I'm excited to announce our partnership with our new underwriter, Real Estate for Life. Real Estate for Life offers a faith-based experience while supporting the gospel of life. They work with over a thousand pro-life agents worldwide and generously support a variety of pro-life organizations. Their website is realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Our guest in this guest segment is Dr. Mark. Kubala, he is a neurosurgeon. He wrote a book called "The Execution of Jesus the Christ: The Medical Cause of Our Lord's Death During His Illegal Crucifixion." The website is theexecutionofjesusthechrist.com, but we're going to link to it over on our Facebook feed, uh, so you can find all the links there that we talk about. And by the way, if you're hanging out with us on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, God love you and thank you for doing that. Please uh, share and like and comment. Let us know where you're from. We'd love to hear from you. If you're hanging out with us on the Station of the Cross radio station, God bless you and good morning to you, as well as the Guadalupe Radio Network. Thank you for being a part of the Catholic Drive Time Show. But uh, let's jump back in, Doctor Kubala. Thank you again for being on the program. Now you were you were setting us up right before we went to break, and I had to cut you off. Uh, but uh, you were talking about how the the uh, the the flagging of Jesus, the the scourging of Jesus, and behind me, I don't know if you can see behind me, but I have a an image of our Lord which is scorched, and you can see the the flesh torn in all over from from top to bottom, and it's very uh, it's a very gruesome image. Would you say that is an accurate representation of what you would see the evidence uh, depicting? Yes,、uh, the point I was making: the scourging was done on the back and. Back, uh, and the back of the arms, they didn't scorch from the front because if they did, they would tear into the stomach, and the patient would die, bleed from internal injuries. So scourging was to inflict severe pain short of death.、Mm. So after the scourging, the next important event is the third sorrowful mystery, the crowning of the thorns. And this is one of the points of my book. I'm a neurosurgeon. I take care of head injuries. And if you've been a parent and you've had your child fall and cut a minor cut in the scalp, you know how freely the scalp bleeds. Yes. Well, what happened after the scourging? The Roman guards took a briar, and John's Gospel says that Peter was warming his hands by a fire made out of briar. This. There are books written about what was the plant that was used to make the crown of thorns, and uh, uh, it's similar to the bougainvillea we have. It has sharp points, and although we say crown of thorns and pictures of cru- crucifixes show like a halo, it was really more like a cap that the guards just took this weed and they wove a hat. 
and they pounded it on Jesus' head because they said his head was hit with a reed. If you have any faith in the shot of Turin, and if you listen to Father Spitzer of the, mm. the Magi Center, he's convinced that the shot of Turin is the true burial cloth of Jesus. Uh, the, 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 a study of the of the shroud shows that there were 50 puncture marks in the scalp of what I am convinced it was Jesus. And remember, once the crown of thorns was put on, it stayed on his head. So every time Jesus fell, which gets us into the fourth sorrowful mystery, which is carrying of the cross, uh, we know that by now Jesus had lost uh, th two, three, four pints of blood. You've got uh, 11 pints of blood in your body, and if you lose four, you start to go into shock. So now the journey from Calvary to Golgotha, we don't know how long it took him because Jesus by now was starting to be in shock from the loss of blood. And remember, he had no fluids. Today, if you get hurt in an accident, the first thing the EMS does is start an IV and give you fluids. Jesus was becoming dehydrated. He was losing blood. And then as he was walking the streets of Jerusalem to, to Golgotha, every time he fell, he would hit his head, striking the thorns more, causing more bleeding. He had the, the cross on his shoulders. He was so weak, Simon had to help him. And, but eventually they made their journey to Golgotha. And then the fifth sorrowful mystery, Jesus dies on the cross. So Jesus is nailed to the cross. Uh, he's uh, hanging there. He, you can tell he's getting dehydrated. His throat is dry. And as he's hanging with his arms uh, extended to the side, uh, the experiments that Dr. Zugibi did, which are described well in my book, uh, the young men, none of them had trouble breathing, but every one of them stopped the experiment within 30, uh, four, the longest was 40 minutes on the cross. Wow. Because when, when you're nailed to the cross, picture yourself lying down on the floor. Well, if you're going to put your feet against the floor to be nailed to the floor, your knees bend. And the picture on the front of my book shows Jesus in a bowed position. This is the position that every volunteer took. They bowed out because the pain was so intense in their legs and more importantly, none of them could raise up because the range of motion had been exceeded, which completely blows the theory of asphyxiation. But what's what's really uh, an important point is here these young men had to stop the experiment because just severe pain and cramping. Can you imagine Jesus was on the cross for three hours and slowly could see the blood being drained out of his body. Uh, so uh, we know that he was in pain. He spoke seven times, but these were short, short sentences. 
And uh, so my, my theory is that Jesus bled to death, uh, but there's a, a important point. Usually if you bleed to death from shock, or if you die from shock from bleeding to death, usually you go into a coma. Jesus was awake and was able to speak. So what was the immediate event of death? Well, remember I said the scourging produced muscle damage. And if you tear muscles, it releases potassium into the blood. And secondly, the kidneys were damaged by the scourging. And this released more potassium. And potassium is bad for the heart. When surgeons do heart surgery and they want to stop the heart so they can sew the arteries, they bathe the heart with potassium, which causes the heart to stop. Mm. So my theory is that Jesus' immediate cause of death was a heart stoppage because he was able to say, it is now finished, and then he bowed his head down and died. So he was in shock, but had enough strength to give out his last words and then died from, from, the, from his heart stopping. And I think it's important because as Jesus was hanging on the cross, this was Friday afternoon. It was the Jewish day of preparation. A quarter mile away was the temple. And while Jesus was bleeding to death for us on the cross, the high priests were slaughtering the lambs for the Passover meal. It's estimated that there were probably 4,000 or more lambs slaughtered that afternoon. How were they killed? Well, they were killed by cutting their throat with a knife and bleeding the blood out. So Jesus did away with the animal sacrifice of blood by shedding his own blood for us. And I think it, 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 it just makes so much more sense to appreciate the sufferings of Jesus uh, to gain our entrance into heaven by dying for us. Uh, so that is, that is probably the main point of my book. Now, we see in Eucharistic miracles that when um, scientists find evidence of trauma in the blood cells, uh, from the present, from the presence of thrombi, it says, which indicates a repeat, a lack of oxygen. So, although Jesus did not die from asphyxiation, he did lose um, oxygen throughout his passion. Is that correct, Doctor? Yes, he he lost uh, uh, oxygen, and the blood didn't circulate. You, you know, you didn't get get blood to the vital organs to keep him alive. Yes, I'm a big believe it, that's another topic on the miracles of the Eucharist. Uh, but it's important. What you're saying is that the miracle at Lanciano in the 600 and compared to the miracle uh, in Buenos Aires of 1998, it showed heart muscle, but there was fresh bleeding inside the heart muscle from the trauma. Uh, Dr. Mark Kubala has been our guest. We're just about a minute and a half away from saying goodbye. Um, this book is called The Execution of Jesus the Christ, The Medical Cause of Our Lord's Death During His Illegal Crucifixion. What is the one thing you hope people will take away from, from your book, Dr. Kubala? Well, uh, first of all, before I say that, I want people to know that 
any profits from this book are being given to the Christians in the Holy Land. I'm, I'm not doing this for any personal gain. Amen. But the thing I wanted it, 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 it is to impress on people the intense pain that Jesus suffered. It, it is, it's unbelievable when you think of the, the scourging and tearing all your muscles and then 50 stab in, in your scalp and you're bleeding and you're becoming weak. And then in, in, on the cross, a position that young 20, 30-year-old men could not hold more than 30 minutes. And Jesus had to suffer this for three hours. Wow. Uh, he suffered more than any other human being has ever suffered. All right. Well, that's going to have to do it. God love you, Dr. Mark Kubala. Thank you very much for your time today. Your book, The Execution of Jesus the Christ, The Medical Cause of Our Lord's Death During His Illegal Crucifixion, is linked up, but you can find it at theexecutionofjesusthechrist.com. Dr. Kubala, God bless you. God love you. Have a great day. God love you. Have a holy, holy week. Amen. That is going to do it for the first hour of the Catholic Drive Time. We're very grateful to Father Murray and Dr. Kabbalah for being our guests this hour. Don't go anywhere. The game show is coming up next. If you can join us, we'd love to have you. Plus, prizes are involved. grnonline.com forward slash cdt for the links. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. My Protestant friends say the Catholic Church has added a lot of man-made traditions to the Word of God. Is that true? No, it's not true. Protestants go by the written Word of God alone or sacred scripture alone. Catholics go by the entire Word of God as it is found in sacred scripture and sacred tradition. All of the Word of God was originally passed down as oral tradition. Eventually, some of it was written down. This became sacred scripture or written tradition. However, Scripture itself tells us that not all the things that Jesus said and did were written down. That's where sacred tradition comes in. Paul says this about tradition. 2 Thessalonians 2.15 So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by letter. Traditions taught by word of mouth and traditions taught by letter. Sacred Scripture and sacred tradition. In 1 Corinthians 11.2, Paul commends them for maintaining the traditions as he has delivered them sacred scripture and sacred tradition. 2 Timothy 2 verse 2 And what you have heard from me before many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is an instance in scripture of Paul commanding the passing on of oral tradition. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 13 And we also thank God constantly for this that when you received the word of God which you heard from us you accepted it not as the word of men but as what it really is the word of God. They received as the word of God that which they heard, not simply that which they read in Scripture. In other words, the Bible clearly supports the Catholic Church's teaching that the word of God is contained in both sacred Scripture and sacred tradition. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.
Years ago, when I started acting, modeling, and singing in Mexico, my Catholic faith was not the center of my life. It took me many years to discover that success, fame, money, and all the pleasures of the world were not going to fulfill me. I got to a point in my life where I thought I had everything, but I realized something was missing. Thankfully, I began a faith journey that brought me back to God and home to the Catholic Church. You can too. Discover more at catholicscomehome.com. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. It's a, it's a great time to be alive. I mean, there's lots of difficulty and challenges. Yay and amen. However, it is a great time to be Catholic, to be faithful, and to be uh, formed in your faith. And part of our mission here at the Catholic Drive Time team is to, is to truly give you information that will challenge you somewhat, to move you. And part of that is our Catholic Trivia Game Show, which we're very excited to be bringing back to you uh, this week. Prizes are involved. In fact, uh, SomedaySaints.com is generously underwriting the prize this week. So if you would like to be a contestant in our Catholic Trivia Game Show, you don't even need to know the answers to the questions. It's that easy. Uh, then uh, just be prepared to dial the phone number, which we will give out shortly. But the first caller is the one who gets to get in. So you got to react fairly quickly once you get the phone number. But we just wrapped up a great conversation with Dr. Kubala. He's got this book out on the crucifixion of Jesus, and we'll be posting that conversation later today. But it was fascinating. I learned some things. Uh, Emily, what did you think? That was incredible. And I I was saying, I had literally always heard that Jesus had died of asphyxiation. So I I loved being able to really get in depth. And I think that just having the, the biological, the physical details of the crucifixion makes it so much more real. Like when you watch The Passion of the Christ now, actually knowing medically what's going on is really, really powerful. Yes. Now, there were some things I wanted to like ask him for follow-up, but just didn't have that opportunity. We're going to have to have him back on. We'll have to have him back on so we can do some Q&A, possibly. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah. But uh, speaking of follow-up, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Yes. I highly recommend his book. And yeah, he wonderfully wanted to make the point that he receives no money from this. It all is going to the Christians in the Holy Land uh, because that they are in need of it and he doesn't need the money. So he is donating all that money that way. Uh, and the thing that really struck me that I I think everybody should read just for this mm-hmm. is meditating on the the agony in the garden. Sometimes we overlook the agony in the garden or don't quite comprehend how agonizing the agony in the garden was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but reading his book on it, uh, the chapter on on the agony in the garden really really like struck me so yeah excellent interview excellent interview. amen oh don't forget we had a we had a great interview with father gerald murray the canon lawyer about uh vaccines being used to segregate catholics there was an incident yesterday thankfully it was resolved praise be to god um but there was an incident where there was a parish that was not allowing unvaccinated catholics to come to the sacrament of confession which is totally against canon law, and Father Murray was able to clarify that for us. So we'll be posting both of those conversations as videos, and you can find them linked up on our YouTube channel. Just search for The Catholic Drive Time, 
And uh, we'll also post them on Rumble and our Facebook page later today. So all of that content is coming to you. Uh, plus, you can find the podcast of today's show over on our website, as well as on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, ubiquitously everywhere uh, podcasts are available. Please do subscribe and rate our podcast. It helps us to grow our audience. You can find everything linked up at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. All right, let's jump into it. We have a lot to get into. Breaking news and stories, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. The game show is fast approaching, plus the after show in the second part of the hour where you get to drive the conversation. We're asking Our Lady, Queen of Heaven, to pray and intercede for you, dear listener, and whatever's on your heart today, plus our own intentions. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come. Before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz. A pro-abortion lawsuit seeking to overturn Pennsylvania's ban on state funds for abortion failed in court with a 6-1 decision in the Pennsylvania Commonwealth Court backing the existing law. The lawsuit against the state law filed back in 2019 sought a court order to require the state's Medicaid program to fund abortion without restrictions. House Republican leaders said that the court was making the right decision and not taking an action to rewrite existing law, and that its decision was a victory for all pro-life Pennsylvanians. In the midst of the tragedy of the Boulder shooting, the example and memory of Eric Talley shines bright, now not just to those who knew him, but to the world. Talley, a fallen Colorado police officer, is being widely praised as a hero for having plunged into the scene of the Boulder Market shooting before other officers arrived. His family and colleagues affirmed that this was simply in keeping with how he lived his life as a man who poured himself out for others. He was known by his friends and family for being patient and kind, generous, and a gentle soul. Talley was also a devout Catholic and would attend the traditional Latin Mass as often as he could, on weekdays as well as on Sundays. LifeSite News has launched a fundraiser to help support Officer Talley's wife and seven children. There are several opportunities for the faithful to receive indulgences this Holy Week. On Holy Thursday, you can receive an indulgence if after the Mass of the Lord's Supper you recite or sing the Tantum Ergo, or if you adore the solemnly reserved Blessed Sacrament for half an hour. On Good Friday, an indulgence can be obtained if you venerate the cross in the solemn celebration of the Lord's Passion, or if you piously participate in the Stations of the Cross. On Holy Saturday, an indulgence is available if two or more people pray the Holy Rosary together, or if you attend the celebration of the Easter Vigil at night and renew your baptismal promises during the liturgy. The conditions for all of these indulgences are a state of grace, a complete detachment from sin, sacramental confession, and the reception of Holy Communion. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Tuesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Thank you for the good news update there, Emily. I always forget to mention it's always the good news segment in this hour of Catholic Drive Time. St. Joseph Cheng Chui, pray for us. He was born in 1803 in Koyonggi-do, South Korea. He was born to a wealthy family. 
with a history of working as diplomats. He was married and an adult convert to Christianity. In fact, he was baptized at the age of 26 with his entire family. He served as a catechist and conducting classes first in his home and then in a small building that he purchased and maintained for the purpose. And uh, on four occasions, Joseph hid in the mountains to avoid government persecution of Christians and finally moved to a region where they could escape a little bit and have a bit of a reprieve in 1845. But when Saint Simon Francois Bernot built a seminary in the area, he offered his house for its use. He worked in its administration and, and, and he and his wife farmed to help feed the seminarians. But he and his wife would be arrested in March of 1866. A local official arranged for their release, but five days later, Joseph was arrested. This time, he admitted in court to being a Christian, to teaching Christianity, to helping the missionaries, and to owning the little building where the catechists met and worked for so many years. He was imprisoned, he was tortured, and eventually he was executed for his faith and his work, beheaded on the 30th of March, 1866, in South Korea. St. John Paul II would canonize him on the 6th of May, 1984. St. Joseph Cheng Jui, pray for us. The Gospel today comes to us from John chapter 13, verses 21 through 33, and verses 36 through 38. Reclining at table with his disciples, Jesus was deeply troubled and testified. Amen, amen, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked to one another at a loss as to whom he meant. One of his disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, was reclining at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter nodded to him to find out whom he meant. He leaned back against Jesus' chest and said to him, Master, who is it? Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I hand the morsel after I have dipped it. So he dipped the morsel and took it and handed it to Judas, son of Simon the Iscariot. After Judas took the morsel, Satan entered him. So Jesus said to him, What you are going to do, do quickly. Now none of those reclining at table realized why he said this to him. Some thought that since Judas kept the money bag, Jesus had told him, buy what you need for the feast or to give something to the poor. So Judas took the morsel and left at once, and it was night. When he had left, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and he will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little while longer. You will look for me, and as I told the Jews, where I go, you cannot come. So now I say to you, Simon Peter said to him, Master, where are you going? Jesus answered him, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, though you will follow me later. Peter said to him, Master, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Amen, amen, I say to you, the cock will not crow before you deny me three times. The Gospel of the Lord. Oh, Lord. 
Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel uh, passage of contrasts, big contrast. Judas versus the beloved disciple. The disciples who will feed upon the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ in the Holy Eucharist versus Judas and his morsel being feeding upon the lies of the devil, being possessed by the devil himself. And then, of course, going out into the night, going out into the darkness, the darkness of sin and corruption versus the light of Christ. It's a powerful passage here of contrast, and I just love it. Adrian, uh, what do you have on this? Uh, yes, I think the um, one thing I wanted to focus on, there's a lot here, there's a lot here. <laughs> Amen. But the one thing that I wanted to focus on is Judas and the Eucharist. Uh, so here, the Eucharist is confected. So a lot of people have a misunderstanding of what's happening here. Uh, and John doesn't talk about this, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke do. Uh, when they talk about here, uh, Jesus is instituting the Eucharist. So whenever he says, this is my body, it now has transubstantiated into his body, uh, much like or exactly like we have at the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass today. Uh, so our Lord was actually holding himself in his hands. Uh, so it's kind of mind-boggling in that way. It's kind uh, of big. God can do that, though. Yeah. Uh, and so we... So that's what's happening here. And now Judas takes the morsel. Now, there's a dispute about what the morsel here is. Uh, a lot of the fathers believe that the morsel is the Blessed Sacrament itself and that Judas receives the Blessed Sacrament and consumes the Blessed Sacrament. Now, he is unworthy to receive the Blessed Sacrament, but yet he presents himself for Holy Communion anyways. Now, it is according to Boethius uh, and according to Cornelius Lapide that this is actually what drives him mad. And so he goes mad because of the unworthy reception of the Blessed Sacrament. And by this act, he ends up uh, running away. And so he says that whenever he takes the morsel, it doesn't happen, doesn't say that he immediately leaves. It's just he receives the morsel and then afterwards he leaves. Uh, so there's a time that's here where he's there. So he's there for the other events that happen at the uh, Last Supper. Now... St. John, the apostle, this is important as well to focus on. St. John, the apostle, who's resting on the breast of Christ. This shows the closeness that he has. And there's this great book, In Sinu Yesu, who talks about resting on the breast of Christ. And it refers to St. John, the apostle, who is so close to Christ, who's so close to the heart of Christ that he was literally resting on his breast. Now, you see this dichotomy. Uh, often the dichotomy is made between Peter and Judas. But here I want to make the dichotomy between uh, Judas and and John, because John's great love to be near the heart of Christ. And so the closer he receives, when he receives our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, it is then when he comes closer to Christ and goes to his breast. Whereas Judas, when he receives Christ, it spurns him away and causes him to flee. And then Jesus tells him what? Go and do what you're going to do quickly. Uh, so he flees from the scene of the crime. Uh, so we see that here, there's dichotomy. What is the Eucharist going to do to you? It either, either be your salvation or it will bring damnation upon you, one or the other. It's about how you receive. Do you worthily receive the Blessed Sacrament? All right. I have a confession to make. Um, I have lied to you. I have misled you. I have manipulated your emotions into thinking that we will have a show on Friday where we will be giving out prizes. That is, in fact, not true. Turns out we're going to give out prizes Thursday instead of Friday because it's Good Friday this Friday. We're not going to be here. We're going to be at Mass. We're going to be going to church. We're going to be celebrating the, the day. So uh, we won't be giving out prizes this Friday. The prizes will be drawn 
Thursday, which means your chances to win in the Fear and Trembling Game Show are three times are three three chances less than you would have had normally. So if you want to get in on this, you better get in now. And the phone number to call if you want to be our contestant is 877-757-9424. We're going to go to break. We're going to come back with Fear and Trembling. And the first caller gets to be the contestant. If you've never played before, this could be your chance. Or if you've been at least a month since you played, call us back, 877 877- Five seven ninety four twenty four. You don't even need to know the answers to the questions to get in on it. Eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. Eight seven 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 five seven ninety four twenty four. Fear and trembling is coming up next. We'll be right back. Are there any basic rules for doing apologetics? 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense. Always be prepared, Scripture tells us. How can we always be prepared to make a defense of our faith? Rule number one, pray. Pray to the Holy Spirit that He give you the courage to share your faith and the wisdom to choose your words carefully and profitably. Rule number two, you don't have to know everything right now. Learn a little bit more about your faith each and every day. Read Scripture. Read the Catechism. Listen to Apologetics tapes. Listen to Catholic Radio. Learn a little bit at a time. Rule number three, Luke 5, verse 10. Do not be afraid. Henceforth, you will be catching men. Jesus said this to Peter, but he's also saying it to us. Will you make mistakes and get into tight spots when you start sharing your faith with others? Yes, of course you will. But Peter made mistakes, and he got into tight spots. Yet Jesus told Peter not to be afraid. Why? Because if we are sincere in our desire to share the truth with others, to share Jesus Christ with others, then Jesus will find a way to make good come from even our mistakes. Rule number four, always view a question about your faith or even an attack on your faith as an opportunity, an opportunity to share the truth. Rule number five, don't get frustrated. Catholics often get frustrated by what I call the doctrinal dance. You get asked about purgatory, Mary, the Pope, the sacraments, all in rapid fire succession. Before you can answer one question, you're asked another, then another. Just keep bringing the discussion back to one topic until you've said all you want to say, then move on. Rule number six, never be afraid to say, I don't know, when asked a question about your faith. Don't try to wing it. However, always follow I don't know with, but I will find out and get back to you and make sure you do. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. Full phone lines today. Praise be to God. Thank you, everybody, for calling in and trying to be a part of our show. We always take the first caller, but here is the deal in case you're just joining us. and You're like, what in the world am I listening to? 
Uh, this is called Fear and Trembling. It's a Catholic trivia game show where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please don't share this with anybody. But we'd like to do a couple of things here. We'd like to share a little bit about the faith so you secretly learn something you did not know before about the Catholic faith. Praise be to God. You have. Uh, we like to laugh a little bit in the process, and we give out prizes. So it's kind of a win-win-win for everyone. But here's the kicker. I don't ask the caller the questions, so they don't need to know the answers to these questions to still win. So I ask Emily, I ask Adrian, one of them will be right, the other will be wrong. The caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to decide who do they trust more, Emily or Adrian, and then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Tell them what they could win, Emily. This week's prize sponsor is Gina at SomedaySaints.com. That's Someday, S-O-M-E. Someday Saints is a shop that uh, Gina started for her Someday Saints, her children, her six children. And she, what she did is she designed an adoration journal for kids. So maybe you want to take your kids to adoration, but they get distracted. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to pray yet. Well, this adoration journal for children teaches them how to pray, teaches them about adoration, how to talk to Jesus, and it has coloring pages. So it's great for kids. And now if you win, you can choose that. Or she also makes and designs Catholic stickers that you can choose between. So this week's sponsor, thank you very much to Gina at SomedaySaints.com. All right. Praise be to God. Again, thank you to everyone who tried to call in this morning to be a part of our game show. Tomorrow morning, you'll have another opportunity to get in on, on that. So call early, but uh, let's go to the phone. Sienna, good morning to you. Thank you for being on Catholic Drive Time. Good morning. Good. Sienna, I can barely hear you. Are you on like a Bluetooth headset or something like that? Uh, I, I, it's have, we're having a real tough time hearing you, uh, so we're going to bring your volume down, Sienna, just a little bit. But uh, thank you for being a part of our show. We'll try to get through it. But uh, so, are you familiar with how the game is played? Sienna, can you hear me? Yes. Are you familiar with how the game is played? Yes. Well, praise be to God, Sienna. You sound very wise for your age. How old are you? Eight. Eight. Wow. Is this the youngest player we've ever had? I think so. Valdemero was also eight Baltimore years old. Was eight. So yeah. oh, we're tied for the youngest player right now, Sienna. So you already have something going for you there. We're very grateful for you being on our show. Uh, so you know the, how the game is played. So you know Emily and Adrian may trick you. So you got to be super careful. Now, Sienna, where are you calling from? Bolverde, Texas. Bolverde, Texas. Very beautiful part of Texas, by the way. All right. Let's jump into the game, Sienna. Here we go. We will start with Emily, as is our custom. Emily, are you ready? I'm ready. Are you sure? Absolutely. Are you sure? Yes. All right, Emily. Here we go. Emily, can you tell me the moral virtue by which one learns to persist in the struggle and the suffering of life is called what? The virtue by which we persist through struggle and virtue is called what? So the name of this virtue is constancy because you have to be constant throughout your life in your faith. All right. Praise be to God. Uh, let's go to Adrian. Adrian, can you tell me what is the moral virtue by which one learns to persist in the struggle and the suffering of life? What is that called? Uh, yes. See, let's see. I would say that that would be white knuckle Catholicism. <laughs> okay. Why are you laughing? Sounds I, valid. I never, I never understand valid. why you're okay. laughing. All right. Uh, 
Good news, bad news. Emily. Uh-oh. Good news, bad news. Bad news. news. You always want the bad news first. Yeah. The bad news is uh, Sienna is no longer on the line. Oh, the, yikes. The, the call got dropped. Sienna. So they're not there anymore. Sienna, if you could call back, that'd be great. But here's the good news. Adrian's answer was so ridiculous that I bet it would have been easy for Sienna to get. So... On behalf of Sienna, have I'm, you, I'm going with constancy. Have you not read the saint's writings on white knuckle Catholicism? I, is that a theological term? I mean, it's, uh, a, it's actually a, a technical term. It's in uh, Ludwig Ott's Ludwig uh, Fundamentals Ott. of Catholic Dogma, white knuckle Catholicism. All right, ah. I, I'm answering on behalf of Sienna. I'm go with Emily. Sur- okay. Survey uh, says constancy all is right. the correct. We're going to put Sienna's name in. Duh. Uh, Sienna, I don't know what happened, but uh, hopefully you can call right back. I, I'm guessing. Sienna, That's are right. you there? Yes. <laughs> I, I don't know what happened, but here's the good news, Sienna. You just got the first answer correct. Uh, so praise God, you are in the Joe answered cup. for you. You are in the coffee cup of divine providence. Adrian tried to throw us a loop. He he said it was white knuckle Catholicism, and. Uh, <laughs> And Emily was correct. It's constancy. Constancy is that moral virtue by which we we work hard through our struggles and the sufferings of life. All right. Second question. Here we go, CNN. Don't go anywhere this time. Hang out with us a little bit here. Okay. Okay. Uh, We'll start with Adrian this time. Adrian, are you ready? I think so. Adrian, can you tell me what is the term, what do we call the letter addressed by a pope that goes to all patriarchs, primates, archbishop, archbishops, and prelates of the worldwide church. What do we call that letter? Yeah, that that would be an encyclical because it is cycled uh, widely. Okay, okay. So encyclical is your answer. Let's see what Emily has to say. Emily, can you tell me what do we call the profound letter that popes send to patriarchs, primates, archbishops, prelates of the worldwide church? So, this kind of letter, I think it's called a papal DM. A, a what? A papal DM, like direct a, message. A, a, a papal DM. Yes. All right, okay, okay. So, Emily is on the hook for a direct message, a papal DM. And Adrian is on the hook for encyclical. Who's right? Who's wrong? 15 seconds on the clock. Sienna, Adrian. what's... <laughs> Survey, survey. Are you sure? (laughs) Yay. Sienna, yes. Two for two. (laughs) So fooling you, Sienna. This is brilliant. Two for two. She's a genius. She should be a theology major. Well done, Sienna. How do you feel so far? Good. Praise be to God. Well, you got it right. You're in two times in the coffee cup of divine providence. Are you ready for your third question, Sienna? Yes. All right. Christopher Chance is, is, uh, can't stop laughing, apparently, in the com box because of Emily's direct Why? message. What's wrong the with The papal it? DM. The Pope sliding into your DMs, you know? I, I wonder, have you ever gotten a papal DM? I'm curious. curious. All right, let's uh, go back to Emily. For, let's go back to Emily for the third question. Emily, here yes. we go. The main or central space of a church that lies between the entry and the sanctuary is called what? What do we call that space between the entry and the sanctuary of a church? What is that called? Okay, so the serious serious answer here. That part of the church is called the nave, and it comes from, like, the ships also have a nave. Okay. Because the church is the bark of Peter, the boat of Peter. Got it. Okay, okay. Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me, what is the uh, central space of a church called? The space that lies between the entry and the sanctuary. What do we call that? Well, I have been to a few Catholic churches in my day, 
And I have to say that that would be the cry room. The cry room. <laughs> the cry room. That's a good guess. Okay. So, uh, so it, hold on. Adrian is on the hook for the cry room. And Emily is on the hook for the knave. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Emily. Emily. Survey says, congratulations, three for three. <laughs> Incredible. Gee, I don't know how you got that one right, Sienna. It was just so tight. Sienna, I mean, it could have been either way. Could have been either way. I love your name, <laughs> by the way, Sienna. Thank you. Sienna, you did great. Now, uh, where do you guys go to church, Sienna? St. Joseph. St. Joseph. Well, praise be to God for St. Joseph uh, and his intercession for you today. We're so grateful you were on our program, Sienna. We're going to put you on hold, so don't go anywhere. We need to get your phone number in case it be God's will that you should win. But God love you today, Sienna, and uh, have a great day. Thank you. All right, we're going to put you on hold. And uh, that's going to do it for Catholic Drive Times, radio side of our show, and the Fear and Trembling Game Show which uh, had its curveballs today. I'm guessing the hills of Bulverde, Texas, probably cut their phone off, but uh, it worked out by the grace of God. Uh, so if you're going to go to Holy Mass, we're going to start broadcasting the Holy Mass here in a couple of minutes. Please do keep us in your prayers. We're always grateful for that. If you can hang out with us, though, right on the live video feed, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, we would surely love to have you there. You can find the links to all of those feeds on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, where we will have the after show here in about a minute and a half from now, two minutes. And you, my dear listener, get to drive the conversation. Where do you want to go with that conversation? What do you want to discuss? You get to drive that. Cry rooms, maybe? On the after show. Cry rooms involved and everything else in between. We could talk about the Father Gerald Murray conversation, the the Dr. Kubala conversation about the crucifix, whatever you want to discuss in the after show. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. And if you're on the feed, comment, like, and share. Let us know where you're from. We'd love to have you. But praise be to God. Don't forget, Good Friday, no show. The drawing for the prize of the, uh, the trivia game show will happen on Thursday. So call in early tomorrow if you want to be our contestant and get in on SomedaySaints.com prize. All right? Well, that is going to do it for today. Praise be to God. We're going to have another guest lined up for tomorrow. Incredible show. It's going to be informative and inspiring, and we're very grateful you're part of the Catholic Drive Time team. God love you. God bless you. 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. We'll see you there or in the after show here in just a minute. God bless. for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back, and welcome to the after show of Catholic Drive Time, where we get a little bit more casual, talk about whatever it is you would like to discuss today. Praise be to God. And you get to drive the conversation. We let our hair down, and uh, some of us have more hair than others. Praise be to God. I want to thank everybody who shared our feed over on Facebook side. I wish I could see how many people are who's sharing the feed over on YouTube. I'm not able to see that information. 
Uh, but for those that shared it on Facebook, God love you. There's a bunch of people who shared our video today. We're very grateful. That really helps us, by the way. Um, it would mean a lot to us if you would consider a share, a like, and uh, and a comment, especially, especially if you've never commented before. We have a, a special recognition for first-time commenters. So let us know in the comments that you are first time. If we don't recognize you, please let us know. But there's a ton of people here this morning. Praise be to God. Joaquin, good morning to you. Uh, Luz del Carmen Lozano, good morning to you. Happy Tuesday. Praise be to God. Uh, Luz, uh, it's good to see you. We're very grateful that you're a part of our show today. Gloria Dian uh, Lopez, good morning to you. Thank you for being a part of our show. Of course, Lori, good morning. Josh. Josh, good morning. Thank you for being on our show today. Very grateful to you. J.R. Aguilar, good morning. He says, I truly enjoy listening to you on Ave Maria Radio in Houston. Praise be to God. I didn't know we were on Ave Maria Radio in Houston. I know we're on Guadalupe Radio Network in Houston. Uh, but if Ave Maria Radio is playing us, I would love to know. That'd be awesome. Uh, what else? Uh, Lori, uh, good morning. She's, Lori says, oh, wow, I didn't know Officer Tally was born in Houston. Oh, I didn't either. Wow. That's pretty neat. All right. Praise be to God. Uh, Jesus and was laughing his head off. So was Chris. <laughs> Christopher. Uh, yeah. I just, you know, I have, I am not completely cold hearted. Whenever an <laughs> eight year old calls wait, in. Wait, what? I cannot help Can, do you, but give amazingly awesome answers. We now have witnesses. You heard it here. I heard it. Uh, there are witnesses, people. How many people are watching right now? The, you, Adrian is not cold hearted. There's 35 listeners. So okay. 35 y'all know on the, I'm not completely cold hearted. On the witnesses of two or three, we have at least that today. So praise be to God. Yikes. I know that. I just can't help it though. It's funny. It's like, the cry room did direct messages from the Pope. Hey, like, I don't, did we like? It's starting, I it's like, wasn't it? I, oh my heavens! You got me. You got me going. <laughs> it was uh, pretty was funny, funny, though. Valerie, <laughs> Va Valerie, good morning to you. Good morning, Valerie, and uh, and Christopher Chance. It's always good to see you, Patty, our friend who's not on anymore. She always goes to Holy Mass. God love you, Patty. Thank you again for being a part of our show today. Jesus Robles, we always love to see you there. Oh. I, I got something. I have something great. Okay, I have something great. Okay, so mm -hmm. the one takeaway that I think everybody should really have from today is that Jesus is a friend. Oh, Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend. You should not do that unannounced. <laughs> okay. Uh, Eric. Eric said, "Good morning, CDT. Jesus is a friend of mine." Song is straight fire. I Saw the song video yesterday. No, had me singing all no, day. Absolutely. Even shared it on my you, personal Eric. Facebook. I warned you, <laughs> fire Eric. Music. It's it's a virus that once it's in your head, you can't get rid of it. Oh, it's so good. It just sits there all day long, and then you don't get anything done. And your boss is like, "You have not oh. been very, you know, productive today." And then it just it ruins relationships. Okay. I think the video adds to the experience. Oh, just all the barefoot seventies. Yes. <laughs> We need uh, we need uh, we need the horns of judgment back. I think I thought we took a straw poll and it was decided uh, yesterday. Well, but you know, Joe, not. No, as long as uh, you know, that's all I'm saying. I mean, if God don't well, do I'm it, I'm going to ask the Lord for the horns of judgment, <laughs> for the horns of the apocalypse. Break the seals, Lord. <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> Let's see. Angelo. Good morning to you, Angelo. Uh, we thanked your wife. Did you hear us thank your wife? Uh, praise be to God. Happy birthday, Eliza. Happy birthday, Eliza. Happy birthday. I won't embarrass your wife like I do Adrian, but I have a contractual obligation to embarrass Adrian uh, that I don't have with your wife, so we will let your wife get off easy. Uh, go, happy birthday, Eliza. It's so good to see you. 
Uh, of course, Chris Velasquez, good morning to you. Monica Cortez, good morning to you. Praise be to God. Jesus Moreno, good morning to you. Uh, Mr. Thomas, it's always good to see you. Our friend from Florida, praise be to God. And then uh, Valentin, good morning, Valentin. It's good to see you there. And, of course, uh, Kathy is back on the show. And Jeff, good morning. Uh, Sienna was a lot of fun. Praise be to God. I'm sorry we got disconnected. I was got I got a little nervous thinking, how are we going to finish the game Her show? Her sound was no a lot better when she came back, oh, though. Oh, yeah, so. <laughs> way better. Way better. Kathy, good morning to you. And then, uh, Eric, I'm so sorry you've jumped off the deep end. Adrian has led you astray. <laughs> He's welcome. He's welcome. <laughs> once that's once you've seen the video, if all you heard was the song, you're like, it's no big deal. What's the, I don't understand what Joe's talking about. It's once you've hey, seen the at video. At least I'm not sh- playing uh, Ordain a Lady. Oh, like, oh no. That one. Negative. Oh. Negative. That's, that's that, not allowed. That's, that's, that's An- pretty, anathema. It's pretty bad. It's, pretty, it's pretty bad. It's yeah, pretty bad. That's definitely bad. Uh, Jesus said it's like Baby Shark. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and Chris says uh, at least he isn't playing Marty Hogan songs. That's a good no, point. No, it's also like it once was a ship that's set to see the name oh, of the yes. ship. Oh, the belly someone of made a parody of that with the, the canal ship that got stuck in no the ship. Yes. No. No way. Yes. I'm going to find that. That's going to be tomorrow for the for the after show. <laughs> oh yes, that's so good. I got to see that. That'd be quite hilarious. We're going to have to play that for tomorrow. Uh, yeah. During the after show. Uh, Emily, what are you posting the video for? Don't do that. Oh, what happened? These poor Who did that? Souls Who did that? that? Are going to be affected by this video of insanity. Um. Lori on Facebook said, seven, hashtag seven sorrows of Mary. I slept so well after I prayed the sorrows last night. <gasps> oh, I didn't hear my alarms, but, I, I, but I caught the hour on the replay. I forgot to mention that this morning. I planned to do that and totally forgot about the hashtag seven sorrows challenge. All right. Uh, hands up by show of hands or comment rather. How many people actually prayed the seven sorrows rosary yesterday? I forgot. Ouch. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, hey, ouch. I went to confession though. Hashtag no sin gang. <laughs> Dang. At least well. he got. The, he at least got one of the hashtags. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. What else am I missing on uh, Facebook? Oh no, sorry. On YouTube, I love the game show. God bless Sienna. Thanks, Sienna. You were the best. Oh, that's awesome. Valentine says Jesus. Jesus is a friend of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Angelo, Eliza thanks you all for her birthday wishes. God bless. Eric sends a laughing emoji. Um, I'm guessing that's for the uh, for you know Jesus is a friend of mine. So great song, great song. <laughs> Mr. Thomas had a question. Do we have time for that? Go for it. Awesome. He said, in the movie The Christ, it shows Judas hunted by haunted by demons. That makes him mad until he hangs himself. Would you say that was accurate? Uh, I don't. I'm not familiar with the movie The Christ. No, he's the, 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 the passion, passion of the Christ. Christ. Oh, the passion of you the know Christ. The kids. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Okay, yes. Uh, you know, I would say it is accurate in a way. Um, he yeah. was definitely plagued by demons. It says in Scripture that the devil entered into him. Yeah. So I would not be we surprised if he was possessed. You know, um, fascinating fact about the Passion of the Christ and the actor who played Judas himself. There were two stories. I, I sat uh, 10 feet from uh, Jim Caviezel in 2004, right after that film released, and he shared his he man, let me tell you, he walked up and he had like an Armani suit on. I mean, I that guy was a one good looking dude. And uh and we were like, This guy played Jesus, that's incredible. And he was telling anecdotal stories about his time in production of the film. And he shared that there were two actors in particular that were profoundly affected by the making of the film. And one was the actor who played Judas himself. 
The other was one of the guys who played the Roman guards that scourged Jesus. And in both cases, what happened was when you make a movie, you, you almost always have to bring actors back in after you filmed things to do voiceover dubs. Uh, because they didn't quite capture things or whatever. And so they sit in the studio, they look at the film, and then they, they recreate what they said. And when the actor who played Judas watched himself, he broke down in tears. And he had a reversion experience to his faith as a result to portraying Judas. And it really affected him seeing himself play Judas on screen. And so I thought that was a very fascinating anecdotal uh, story from the movie The Passion of the Christ. But uh, as you said, Adrian, uh, yeah, I mean, think of um, Bortolo Longo, right? The, the blessed Bortolo Longo, the guy who was an attorney. He left his Catholic faith to, be, to basically become a full-on full on Satanist, and he was harassed by demons. When you open yourself to the diabolical – you open yourself to all various levels of harassment, chastisements, and even full-on possessions. And one of the goals of the demon that was harassing Bortolo Longo was to get him to commit suicide, to complete despair, to despairing uh, against hope and against forgiveness, right? And this is the part of what Judas was faced with, the despair that he couldn't even uh, be forgiven, and so he committed suicide as a result. He murdered himself in this last act of mortal sin, which guarantees fate, unfortunately. Um, but we don't know. Uh, we did address suicide once before on the show where we talked about there are circumstances and we, do, we can't know for sure if someone repents in their last instance and God is so merciful. We, we did discuss all that. But in general, the principle is you murder yourself, you murder another person, that's a mortal sin. You die that way. That's not good. Uh, so anyway, I don't know, anecdotal evidence, but I would say for sure the movie uses this opportunity to illustrate. And I loved in the movie The Passion of the Christ how the devil is depicted as this sort of quasi-male, quasi-female character, this, you know, uh, this very uh, elusive character. I also liked in the film – my, I remember my father asking me this, calling me after the movie, like, why, why during the scourging did the devil have this person in his arms looking at Jesus? Why, what was that? It was mocking the Lord, mocking his mother, like, it's like taunting him, get up, you know, call down the angels, go for it, you know, sort of taunting him. But it was, in fact, to the cross that Jesus must go in order to save souls. I don't know, powerful. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's a lot there, uh, especially with um, our, whatever they have, uh, the, the, Mel Gibson, when he was basing this movie, he was basing it off of a lot of it was visions of Saint, a bit of Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich and other visionaries. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if he had gotten these scenes, not from his own mind, but from visionaries. I, I'm not familiar with anything in particular, but I would not be surprised if that was the case. Um, I have some bad news, guys. And I don't have good news. Just bad news. <laughs> you, uh, okay, uh, okay, okay. I do have good, some news. good news. I have, okay, I have some good news. Bo oh, good no. news or bad news, Emily? Oh, no. Uh, I'm afraid good now. News first. I'm afraid. Oh, okay. Don't do okay, it. Okay, we'll start with good news. As Kathy prayed the Seven Sorrows oh, uh, Rosary yesterday in front of the abortion clinic. So that's the good news. Uh, the bad news is that she's not coming into full communion with the Catholic Church what? this Easter vigil. Because four staff have COVID, and so they canceled the service. Oh, oh no. Yep. I'm so mm -hmm. sorry, Kathy. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. So that's pretty horrible. <gasps> that that's is horrible. actually probably one of the worst things 
like possible. Uh, so, Kathy, I would recommend honestly not delaying getting baptized, uh, being entered into the church. I would talk to maybe a fraternity parish if you'll have that nearby and see if they will enter you into the church. I will this say Easter. this. There is a fraternity parish. You're in Danvers, Massachusetts, Kathy. There is a fraternity parish up in uh, Nashua, New Hampshire, which is obviously over the border, maybe an hour and a half from you or something like that. But if you called them and explain your circumstance, you know, they may give you good advice and uh, you never know. So call a, a fraternity uh, parish, FSSP. You can, you can find their contact details on their website. If you just Google FSSP, you'll find probably the parish nearest to you. Yeah, I wouldn't delay in being entered into the church because that's, that's, that's pretty, that's so tragic. That it they, is tragic. That that happened. Jay Kabara says, let's pray for all the lost souls of the manufacturer, sellers, and buyers of those Satan shoes. Amen. Praise be to God, uh, that's Jay Jennifer. Kabara. Uh, is it Jennifer? Yep. I, but I, okay. I'm I just remember, remember her. I'm going to remember that for next time. Yeah, I just remember her <laughs> handle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. May our blessed mother intercede for us, and may God have mercy on their souls. Amen. Now, I Amen. did see, uh, Jennifer, I did see today, there was an article out that said Nike is suing uh, little Nas X. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. I did see that. Uh, because they want nothing to do with these Satan shoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's that seems strange to me that he wouldn't have known that that was going to be a problem. Like... Really? You're going to put out Satan shoes with, with human blood in it? With Nike's, uh, Nike's symbol on it, and you think Nike's not going to have an opinion on the matter? I mean, like, and if Nike didn't, oh my heavens. Good grief. Yeah, it's, it's pretty horrible. Pretty horrible. And I know, I am convinced, I am not, I'm not of the opinion that Lil Nas just doesn't know what he's doing. I, I think he knows exactly what he's doing, and he is uh, demonic. He is satanic in his actions, not just unknowingly just trying to stir the pot um i went and i saw some uh, a clip of the uh, music video and he has himself doing some vulgar things i'm not going to describe but one thing that i thought was a good takeaway from uh what uh, what it was and i don't recommend anybody watch it it's horrendous i'm not watching uh, but he it. um he descends down he's in heaven and he looks at heaven and he rejects heaven and goes down a pole into hell willingly uh, so I think that's a very, wow. very telling point there that it's it's very much a perversion. Uh, and it really is what happens to people. They choose to be in hell. They've rejected heaven. And so the, the video doesn't show him as just like, you know, oh, heaven rejects me or I'm being uh, misunderstood. It's no, he wants to be in hell. And Michael Knowles had this phenomenal analysis where he compared the, he compared it to Paradise Lost, where um, Satan chooses hell over heaven because um, making an idol out of himself, he says, well, I can make a hell out of heaven or a heaven out of hell be inside my own head. And Lil Nas, I've been going through his tweets because honestly, I really feel for him. And he, just, he could be another Bartolo Longo here. He really could. Like, we need to pray for Lil Nas X and Cardi B and like all of these pop stars um, because they're human beings with souls and dignity as well. And if you go back through his tweets, you'll see that he he talks about how he... Uh, hated himself when he was a teenager because of Christian, the way Christians treated him. And so really, like, this man is is in pain, and his soul is yearning for love and to be loved and cared for. And so, yes, this was um, a publicity stunt, but also, I think, a cry for help. And so we need to pray for Lil Nas X. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess we said this yesterday. He doesn't have any clue what he's messing with here. Like, I think he does. Oh, golly gee whiz. He's a kid. He's our age. I don't think he knows anything about spiritual warfare. Well, I'm sure. Like, most I mean, people most our people, age don't well, know I mean, anything about spiritual warfare. I think he thinks warfare. it's no big deal. Yeah. Like, it's just cute and fun. 
but it's not cute and fun. It's it. This has everlasting consequences. You know, uh, Adrian, <clears throat> you and I went to the rally against the Black Mass here in Houston, and uh, along with about 120, uh, 200 people, it was pretty awesome actually. And one of the points that was being made by um, exorcists at the time was those types of like public propaganda type of things that's not real satanism that i mean it is on one level but not in the deepest level the the real satanic activity is actually involves murdering people and it, it doesn't happen in public um so there's a level of propaganda here that is just for the for the for the show, just for to get the rise out of people, just to stir the pot because you uh, want to enjoy the limelight of people talking about you and being in the headline news. And I think that's my gut says that's where he is in this. However, having said that, that doesn't mean he's not he's not playing dangerously with the devil and the diabolic here, opening himself up wide to the harassment, chastisement, and possibly full-on possession of the, uh, from the demons because of what he's doing. It is so dangerous. You don't play with the occult in any way, shape, or form. You have nothing to do with it. If, if you've got anything in your house, um, items from Freemasonry, throw them away. Crystals, throw them away. Uh, Ouija board, throw it away. Dungeons and Dragons, throw it away. Throw it all away. Better to get to heaven and have none of these things than to have these things and possibly never make it. Yeah, and um, al along those same lines, um, if you want to know about real Satanism, look up Zachary King, who was yeah. a, a high wizard and he converted. Oh, he's the one I was listening to. Yeah, he's incredible. He has an amazing story. He's Catholic now, very devout Catholic. Um, but real Satanism is not going to be this this huge publicity stunt. And if you follow Lil Nas X, like I, I used to, he he's like a comedian. He's a really funny guy. And so I do think that he he kind of is putting out this message that like, oh, look at the Christians. Look at how they, quote unquote, hate. They, they're homophobic. And look at Satan who embraces us, who celebrates everything we want to do, our disordered desires. And so he's doing this as a sort of like a like a celebration of his own um disordered desires that he doesn't realize because he wants to be accepted and loved like we talked to kim zember and mm -hmm. she told it who who has same-sex attraction she told us like people with same-sex attraction want to be loved and accepted and they don't understand that the love of god is is going to bring them fulfillment but not necessarily in the way they want yeah. so that's yeah. true for all humans mm -hmm. not just the ones that are suffer from same-sex attraction I mean, um, we can't make excuses for our behaviors, our disordered, sinful behaviors, simply because it feels good or we want it, right? I mean, uh, that's irrational. <clears throat> and yet too many of us have be believed this lie that if it feels good, do it. And um, at any rate, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm clearing my throat on air. That's not good. Maybe offer your seven sour sorrows today for Lil Nas X. Or as well as like Katy Perry, right. Miley Cyrus. Miley Cyrus bought the shoes. Um, um, Madonna. I mean, there's just the list of goes on and on about Cardi B, these types of entertainers that have sold themselves down the river for fame and fortune. Uh, but they have no, I, I have to believe that they are just simply so ignorant. They're so caught up in the the here and the now, the wealth and the greatness, the fame, the fame and the fortune that they really don't truly understand, because if they truly understood what they were doing, how could anybody make that rational choice? Right. So I did a uh, podcast on this back whenever we did the, whenever the Satanic Black Mass was happening in Houston. Yeah. And I broke down the different types of Satanism. 
because uh, I wanted to get the information out there without having people actually having to look it up themselves. And so the there is different kinds of Satanism. There's atheistic Satanism, there's theistic Satanism, and then there's uh, non-theistic Satan, Satanism. And all these different things have different categories and what people different different beliefs. Uh, some of them believe in God. Some of them believe that there is a mystical world, but God himself does not exist. Um, so it's very interesting. Uh, I linked it below in the in the Facebook feed, but. Put it on YouTube the, as well. Yeah, I'll try to. It's a, it's a long link, and so uh, YouTube only lets you you put in like a couple ca- uh, characters. But let's see if it fits. Oh, cool. Yeah, it fits. Okay. Yeah. The so the thing I wanted to say is like yes, of course, not um, vast majority of people don't understand uh, fully what they're doing. Uh, that's true, but it's also true of pretty much every circumstance like you listen to zachary king for instance and he said yeah i mean the satan is a liar and a thief from the beginning uh, so says scripture and so yes of course he said even as a high wizard i didn't understand really what satan wanted i knew that i would probably was going to end up in hell but you know i kind of thought that you know if i ended up in hell i would have control of demons even in hell i would wow. still be able to rule in hell and so i wasn't really concerned about it and so yes uh, i think that there is an element of yes you people don't understand what they're doing not fully uh but they understand enough just like uh, they understand what's going on they understand what satan who satan is just from of what what we know in popular culture what satan is and so they they're taking that and they're perverting it and they think it's a fun and games and sure they they may not understand the spiritual ramifications mm. and i'm sure most people don't but I do. They 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 do see it as a symbol. Even the the lowest form of uh, Satanism that you see, people who don't believe in Satan actually exist. People who are actually atheist and don't believe Satan exists, and they're just using Satan as a symbol. Well, what is that symbol of? It's a symbol of rejection of authority, rejection of a patriarchy, rejection of God. And this is all what it is. It's all in. And so even at the lowest level of being a Satanist, you still are rejecting all the things that are good, all the things that are of God. And they simply just don't believe that Satan exists. And they're doing these things out of apathy rather than hatred for God. They're doing it apathetically. Uh, just they don't care because they don't believe that any of it does anything. They just are blaspheming God for the sake of blaspheming God. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I, that's, I, I struggle with trying to be, um, sympathetic to people like this of course we need to pray for them of course we should love them um but i I struggle with trying to be sympathetic to the to people in those positions uh i mean we all have circumstances like where are these stories of these two girls who tased a the uh, a driver an uber driver Mm. and try to steal his car flip the car over and killed him and then walks back into the car to take get their phone back Mm. Uh, like these things are happening left and right and of course these people are having horrible situations probably grew up with no father probably had a bad circumstances in their lives um but i i don't i i fail to see like i i think that their justice needs to be done and justice needs to happen for oh, this sure. and all these things, especially yeah. the Satanism stuff. Justice has to be done here. Well, I think there's two sides to the equation, right? And, of course, you can't negate one and not the other. It's not, it's not either justice or mercy or mercy or justice. It's both and. It's mm-hmm. justice and mercy. On one hand, God's justice should be made manifest here. And uh, we, have, we have to deal with these things. We have to deal with these uh, blasphemies and these uh, atrocities and these uh, cry uh, this, this blood that cries for vengeance, really. Uh, but at the same time, we should also pray for the conversion and reversion of these souls for the sake of their souls. Um, we should pray that uh, God work through little Nas X like he did Bortolo Longo 
uh, to save his soul in order to affect so many others. And one of the reasons why I really love the story of Bortolo Longo is because of the generosity of what happens in so many other people because of what he did in Bortolo Longo. When he, can, when he th- working through his uh, f- uh, professor friend and the Dominican priest, brought Bortolo Longo to conversion again, brought him back to confession, and brought him back into the church away from Satan and the demons and Satanism, Bortolo spent the remainder of his life perpetuating devotion to the Holy Rosary and to Our Lady of Pompeo. And he tried to revitalize the Valley of Pompeii, which been which was devastated from Mount Vesuvius's um, eruption, which killed all those people. And he tried to revitalize that area through going door to door teaching the Holy Rosary. <clears throat> well, that devotion to Our Lady of Pompeii um, basically led to Our Lady of the Revelation, which appeared at Trefontane and converted an ardent sinner who himself was serving the devil and wanting to murder the Pope and became a Freemason and an anti-Catholic and, and he would abuse his wife, but his wife, uh, his wife would pray to Our Lady of Pompeii for his conversion every time he abused her. And she appeared to him in a cave outside of Tre Fontane and converted him. Our Lady of Revelation, you should check it out. Go to YouTube and look for Our Lady, uh, Our Lady of Revelation. Father Peter Wolf of the FSSP gave a whole series of lectures on it, and it's fascinating and powerful. Well, you could say that if it was not for Bortolo Longo spending the remainder of his life perpetuating that devotion, it might not have led to uh, the conversion of this man, this ardent sinner, and wanted to murder the Pope. I mean, it's just so many stories are like that. So, who knows what God might accomplish through little Nas X, but I can guarantee he's asked all of us faithful to pray for the conversion of these people, because don't, do not be fooled. God's justice is coming, and no one escapes it. We all get what we deserve in the end. And what God has been so merciful to do so far is to not give us what we deserve. He gives us his mercy, but the time of mercy will come to an end, <clears throat> and the time of justice will be, will be upon us. So while we have yet breath in our lungs, while we have still time on the clock, we best be about the business of praying for the conversion of these ardent sinners, uh, for our sake and for theirs as well. So uh, pray fasting and penance. So the seven sorrows challenge. I, I, okay, I have a confession to make with the last few minutes on the clock. I prayed the, the, the rosary yesterday, but man, I got to tell you, my mind was so completely distracted during the, like I would start every decade with like the right intentions and then poof, seconds into it, poof. Do you guys struggle with that at all? Of course. Yep. No, I have to be the only one because it was so bad. No, yeah. I mean, you can read, um, I highly recommend to everybody the book uh, Secret of the Rosary by St. Louis de Mumford. He talks about this a lot, about being distracted in prayer and how there's different, there's degrees of perfection in praying the rosary. You have the perfect rosary, obviously, would be when you're having perfect meditation on the mysteries of God. You're saying the rote prayers uh, while meditating upon the passion and death, uh, all the mysteries. But there are degrees of perfection, and God is is pleased with your attempts to uh to be faithful. And so if you're simply saying the words and you're distracted the whole time, well, that's a imperfect rosary, but it is still, it is still pleasing to God. Um, so there are degrees of perfection. I wouldn't, uh, be over scrupulous about it. Obviously, if you're being willfully distracted, mm-hmm. uh, that, that, that's a bad thing. You shouldn't be trying to distract yourself. You shouldn't be trying to be, um, 
you shouldn't be trying to do a bad rosary. Right. And Gabriel Castillo talks about this all the time because, you know, he's like the apostle of the rosary. <laughs> um, distraction. Wow. God wants our uh, effort. He wants our effort and he wants our free will to choose to try um, and do the best that we can. But, I mean, we're not perfect. We're never going to be perfect. So, Amen. just varying levels of imperfection when we pray. But uh, Mr. Thomas wants to know, uh, no. when will you record no. the horn of the apocalypse? Amen, Mr. Mr. Thomas. Thomas. You have Why? great taste, sir. I don't know if we've told you that, but you have excellent taste. Why would you do this to us? Uh, the horn of the apocalypse. Our listener wants that, Adrian. When, it, when are we going to get a button with the horn of the apocalypse, Almost. Adrian? We're super close. Hmm? Mm-hmm. It's going to be in a couple of days. The audience, a couple of days. It took him half a second it, to put it's like, Jesus is a friend of mine on a button. It's like, it's a, there's, there's a processing time, you know. Processing it's a, it's like time. The, the, the stream deck it's has stuck a. stuck on the boat in the canal. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> it hasn't exactly. gotten here yet. right now. <laughs> I, I, Joe, I, I'm, you know. If God don't oh. do it, oh. it won't get done. Oh. Uh, you know, it's, it's just, you know, that's how it works. Lord, and I don't know, man. Us. Lord save us. Lord save us. <laughs> Tell you what, sh- what we'll, we'll play the horns of the apocalypse the entire show oh. on Good Friday. On the Good Friday, we'll play it the whole time. Oh. We need that. We need the shofar on a button. We need to get an actual shofar horn going on a button. That's what we need to do. Oh, All right. hey, Zeus. Yay. We're out of time. Praise be to God for... Everybody who hung out with us today in our after show, we're always so grateful to hang out with you. Praise be to God. If you can pray the seven sorrows, a rosary today, join us in the seven sorrows challenge, praying it every day this week during Holy Week. Pray for the conversion of sinners like little Nas X, but also those in your own house and my house too, please. And, uh, and for the conversion of sinners around the world. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God in all things. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning for Catholic Drive Time. I I have to look at the list. I don't even know who our guest is in the morning. I have to see who that is. But anyway, we have a great lineup this week. We're very excited. Don't forget, no show on Friday. It's Good Friday, so we won't be around on Friday. Uh, We'll draw a winner out on Thursday. But Emily won't be here on Thursday. She's off that day, so it's going to be an interesting show. TFP Ireland is our guest tomorrow. What's going on in Ireland? We'll have that conversation tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you then. Thank you for joining us on